What are preachers doing on Sunday morning when they stand up and proclaim the word to a congregation? We're going to talk to a teacher of preaching, Gary Simpson, about just that work, about where things are today and where we see preaching going in the years ahead. Stay tuned for Good God. Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I'm George Mason, your host, and I'm pleased to welcome to the program again, Gary Simpson. Uh, the Reverend Dr. Gary Simpson is the pastor of Concord Baptist Church of Christ in Brooklyn, New York, and he is also uh, a teacher of preaching. He teaches uh, preaching in New Jersey at um, Drew, Drew U University. Mm -hmm. um, School of Theology. It's the School of Theology at Drew University. There it is. Okay, <laughs> and uh, and and so this is a this is a topic, Gary, that I'd like for us to talk about because we are both practitioners mm -hmm. of preaching, uh, which is to say we do it most every Sunday mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, uh, occasionally other times, mm -hmm. and we've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, not that we understand it all that well, just because we have, right. but we have thought about it a great sure, deal. Sure. So, I think people might be interested, not just our colleagues mm -hmm. uh, here, but, uh, but people might think that when you get up to preach on a, on a given Sunday morning, all you've done is sort of read the Bible and mm -hmm. uh, ask the Spirit to lead you. And, uh, and, and, and then based upon your wit and wisdom, you just hold forth because that's who you are. Right. But there's a lot that goes into thinking about what this is we're right. doing. Right. Right. So when you take some fresh students mm. and try to help them understand what is it we're doing out there? on Sunday morning. Uh, what, what are some of the things that shape that first kind of conversation to help them understand this work? Well, my, my, my first conversation is usually about orientation. Uh, I ask uh, in most of, in an introductory class, have you heard a good sermon lately? Okay. And they'll start listing the, uh, the things that, those qualities that made a good sermon. Right. And, and um, then I ask him, have you had a bad servant lately? Yes. And what happens? And we start talking about qualities. I think my first uh, inclination is to say that preaching is more being than doing. Okay. You know, because there, there are a lot of um, methodologies, they would call mm -hmm. them in the academy, that, that talk about the machinations. These are the ingredients. Put these things together. Do these right. things, and you'll have a good sermon. Well, yes. we know you can follow that book. Yes. Do all the things in the right order, and still not have a good sermon, That's right? right? Because it is not just about learning a skill set. It is mm -hmm. also a perspective, a, yes. a way of looking at the world, and even before looking, listening, good. right? And, right. And one of, one of my arguments is the idea is if it's a skill then all you have to do is keep practicing right well we right. do know that there are people who who practice preaching and never get better at it right um, because right. it, it they're is doing the same thing doing over the same and over thing again over, and they're not reflective about it not reflective about it and um, not hearing other voices uh-huh okay Very uh, good. what yeah. what about favorite little illustrations is to ask people, so you remember the movie The Ten Commandments, yes, yes. so 
You remember when Moses went to talk to God, right? Yes, okay. Who was Moses? Charlton Heston. Yes. Who was the voice of God? Charlton Heston. Ah. And that sometimes this yeah. idea of who God is is mm-hmm. our own voice magnified and amplified, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if that is our universe for understanding good sure. preaching, so even to get better in preaching, if I'm only saying, well, that wasn't as bad as it was last Sunday. Right. My universe is so small to, right. to kind of measure that up against. I think opportunity to hear other people preach, to hear people who don't start with your presuppositions. Okay, so yeah. that, it seems to me, is both um, a positive and potentially a negative uh, in preaching, in, and I'll, I'll put it this way. Mm. I do think that we're all copycats in mm. some way, yeah. right? So. Uh, we we find preachers who we like mm-hmm. and who uh, we admire and we love to listen to and we want to pick up on what they're doing, right? Yeah, and yeah. then it's very possible that we sort of adopt uh, some of their style or their their pacing or their uh, you know structure of their sermons mm-hmm. or the way they go about it. Uh, and and then, but then there comes a time when if you stay there you're not really being authentic yeah. in terms of who you are. Yeah. So somehow there also has to be that kind of, okay, I, I used to pr- try to preach just like this guy who was my, the guy who called me into ministry. Mm-hmm. And then my, my, my first pastor that I really, at, in seminary, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I know I started shifting to be more in that style. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you know, I, I had to, had to figure out what is George supposed to do, right? right? Exactly. And that's a long-term process of discovery, isn't it? And you and you, you your voice changes too uh-huh. over time. Yes. I mean, you know, we all, we all know the pre-presentments. Uh, we, yeah. Our voice is way up there, and then all of a sudden, we we resonate. Men resonate. The little males get a little deeper. Many of us do. Um, I think that happens also in the texturing of our preaching that that our voices change, and I, I think I think you're right. Until we find our own voice, we borrow somebody else's. That's right? right. Right. But I'm I'm also I'm not when I say listening to other people preach. I'm not just talking about getting some heroes for preaching. Right. I'm also talking about hearing other people preach. Yes. Different bodies. Yes. Right. right. Um, hearing people who have different theological perspectives and how they pull this out. People who don't preach in English uh, to to hear other voices, the sound that gives to me and other perspectives, which is one of the reasons why I enjoy teaching preaching is because all of those voices are there. And I I think, uh, I would want to think, let me say, that I'm a better preacher uh, because I hear these voices, yes. right? because these voices are saying things that I never saw, I never thought about, right. you know, and they're giving me an opportunity to kind of expand my own repertoire and my own vocal ability yes, by very listening good. to them. So, I, so you know, I just want to say I think it's not uh, we all have those those two or three people who are kind of icons for us, and and we also know that. Uh, mimicry never ever pans out. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> it never ever pans out. But I, I think there are so many people preaching, and in some ways, George, you know, we we might have too many preachers right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and and if I might even say too much exposure to preaching, uh, uh, 
so that uh, so that we are hearing things and standards or quote unquote standards or expectations of preaching are either um, heightened beyond reach yes um, in the more polished yes. versions or uh, lowered <laughs> right. to a sense of almost irrelevance right. by some of the overexposure we might be experiencing right now. So let's talk about what we're doing when we're preaching. Okay. Uh, one of my pet peeves, I suppose, is when I hear people say uh, that we're there to preach the Bible. Now, there's an awful lot of preaching today that is really more teaching than preaching and there's a there's a similarity or training, or training as opposed to teaching or training <laughs> okay there you go that's that's right so yeah the teaching is supposed to draw out from right. you know the educate right, right? right. but um, but now um, I, I, my sense is we have the, we have this big gospel story mm. that the Bible uh, gives us a narrative about, but we, we have a, a living God we are proclaiming mm -hmm. to a, a people, and uh, it, it always seems to me to be um, a smaller task to just uh, teach people a text mm -hmm. than it is to proclaim good news mm -hmm. that has the power to unlock people's lives yeah. and to give them hope and, and and direction. Well, I would always say when people say we preach a text, I say, now, what genre of text are we in, right? Yes. Where, where, where are we? What does the text say? I, I yeah. love to start in on uh, uh, John 1, uh, in the beginning was the word. Yes. You cannot substitute the word Bible there. That's right. It just won't work. That's right. right? right. And, and what we have in the Bible is not, and we also have to remember this: that that written form uh, is actually we who are in the post Enlightenment era, we a more literate society, yes. uh, and not not speaking pejoratively of orality, but people are talking story first. So, yes. so the words that are written are actually the second form. Yes. And so derivative. But, yeah, yes, yes. Not, it, not yeah, primary. Yeah. So yep. let me write this down before I forget. Right. right this right, kind of thing. Right. I I so the the Bible is an opportunity for us to see the complexity. Yes. And uh, for that ma matter, the inadequacy of words. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're just uh, as Paul would say Thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift, right? Yes. I can't really. Yes. And all of us who preach know. I mean, this happens every Sunday. Oh, Man, I, I wish. There it is. <laughs> I know what's coming. I wish I had to say that or I didn't get there. You know, almost, but not quite. Right, I, right. It, any preacher who walks away and thinks that they've hit it over oh, the oh, fence. It, exactly. <laughs> How many times have you there was that thing I wanted to say, yes, and I didn't exactly. get to it. I didn't right? get you know? to it. Uh, or then here's a different side of this. Mm. Someone comes up to us in the narthex afterward and says, you know, uh, when you said this, it was just the word I needed. Right. And I'm thinking, I don't believe I said that. Exactly. When did you hear that? Exactly. Was that in that sermon that I just preached over there? Because t tell me more. <laughs> and well, well, 
what the Spirit was saying, the the real word was being heard not exactly through the precise words we were using. Exactly. Right? Exactly. There is, what's happening is there is a mystery of encounter that happens in this proclamation event where people and the people of ages past encoded uh, encoded in, in the scriptures and the living presence of Christ and the Spirit uh, in our Christian tradition and other traditions other ways, that, that all of this is an encounter happening. Exactly, exactly. It's, and that's the, that's the best we can do right. is create an opportunity as much as is in us for people to encounter this Spirit of God in that moment. It really is not at the end of the day. I mean, yes, we you've put some perspiration in, you've right. organized your thoughts, you've, you've introduced them to some ideas, but ultimately people are not remembering the moves of your sermon right. as much as they are living into the movement of the Spirit. And, uh, and this is what excites me still about doing ministry is where else in our society can you go and hear someone for 20 odd minutes on a Sunday morning who is not trying to sell you something, who is not trying to enlist you into their political party, who is not trying to you know, get your money from you, who is not trying. Now there are all institutional goals that sometimes we touch on in these things, but there is a sense in which when people come to church on Sunday, over and over again, you and I get to say, we're going to do something for good and for good. Yeah. Which is, this, this is, this is free. Yeah. This is like the gift of God, this right. is free. Right. And, and here we are. Right. You know, it's costly, but it's free. Exactly right. Right? Exactly. And what a privilege. Right. That, that it's just an authentic human moment. Right. With no strings attached. No, and and an abil- and a moment to say uh, something that some of those the people who come to hear us may not have heard all week. Uh, that right. you are of value. There you go. Right. That, right. that, that, that you, you, you matter. Right. Um, who right. you are matters. Uh, what you do in the world matters, right. and, and that God loves you unconditionally, not based on any kind of prerequisite that you have to do or be before God. We don't need your social security number. No. We no. don't need your address. No. We don't need your financial records. And if you're a felon, we're not going to, we're not going to. You this, still get a this, vote. Yes, exactly. In right. our church, this you exactly, still get a that's vote. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because uh, you matter. Because you matter. You matter to God, matter and to you God. also have spiritual gifts to offer to the body. That's right. Regardless of who you are, and no matter what anybody out there says about right. you. Exactly. What a great gift. What, what a great. great. And I think that is our work. All right. Yeah. So well, let's come back and talk about our hope for the future of preachers okay. in the church based on some work we do together that has been about training young ministers. So when we get back from the break, we'll talk about that. I look forward. All right. Thank you for continuing to tune in to Good God. These conversations are part of a larger program that is called Faith Commons, the umbrella organization, you might say, of Good God. Good God is the first project of Faith Commons, which is a nonprofit organization that is intended to do public theology, you might say. Uh, It's multi-faith, 
not just Christian, Jewish, Muslim, other faiths, but all of them becoming involved in the question of how do we promote the common good together. There are so many areas of need and concern in our community, and Faith Commons is trying to help bridge the gaps uh, between religions and peoples in our community so that we can have a more just and peaceful society. Thanks for continuing to support us. We're back with Gary Simpson. Gary, we were talking about preaching and uh, the pastoral life. Mm -hmm. And you and I have both been privileged to be part of a movement that has been going on for nearly two decades now mm -hmm. uh, in American churches. Not a lot of us, but uh, a few of us have been experimenting with and pioneering this training of young pastors and ministers in our church beyond their seminary training uh, to help them actually find their way in the congregation. Mm -hmm. uh, because we, we all know that the, the sort of division of uh, learning that happened with the academy and the church mm -hmm. where we just seeded the training of ministers to classrooms mm -hmm. really didn't produce the kind of practitioners in the, in, in the pulpit and in the congregations that we had hoped. So this is work we've been doing. And uh, we've both had the experience of dealing with many young ministers who've come through. Mm -hmm. And uh, when, when they come to us uh, and stay two years and then leave, uh, we, we have this joy of being able to see how they have progressed and how they have found their voice. I, I like to talk about they've, 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 they've got more competence and they've got more confidence. Yes, yes, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, uh, just this past, just before coming here, uh, I was at the faculty retreat at Drew. Yes. And they had invited some local pastors to come and talk with us. Uh, and two of those were women who were they're now United Methodist pastors, but they're in New Jersey serving, right. and they were with me. I I was just so proud yes. of of their becoming yes. right, and, and could see uh, from the start where we were and where they were now. I was I was just glad to be a part of that, right? right. Just to because some some people, George, they need they need to be able to see it. Uh, yes, uh -huh. and they they need to be able to make some mistakes. Yes, uh, and they need to find their gifts. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And of all the things I do in ministry, this is this is the one thing that has to me the most lasting input. That's in, right. And in that I am helping to uh, create this ecology of people who who embrace the identity of pastor right. uh, who 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 want to be more than the preacher on Sunday morning yes. or who want to be more than the professional person who shows up yes. on the program but people who really understand what it means to um, to live the pastoral life right and I've, it's it's uh, you feel like you know if you feel like your children are going all over well the you place. really do don't you uh, it, it, it's it's well, and and the pride is just extraordinary mm -hmm. and of course when they go through struggles too yes. all through the years then the, the pain of that is yeah. is great you feel like it's your yeah. own that yeah. you're reliving and uh, you continue to stay up with them when we think about this work though let's talk about um, 
you know, a, a thing or two that we're seeing? Is there a trend? Yeah. Is, yeah. There, is there a way that y these young pastors are different today from when we were coming up? Uh, what does that mean? What do we think is, is happening out there? Yeah, I, I struggle with this a lot um, because I think something is missing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and it's not a deficiency in this generation of pastors, but um, a failure by our generation of pastors. And that is this whole idea of, of mentoring and being mentored, mm -hmm. uh, of, of apprenticing, yeah. as Dale Andrews would talk about it mm -hmm. academically. Um, it's just missing. I, I get a sense that that sometimes the giftedness, which is obvious, um, is all people think they need. If I'm just gifted, yes. you know, I should I should finish this work, get that degree, and right. tomorrow I should be the pastor right. of the greatest church ever. Yes. Right. 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 And and some of the tears we have, George, yeah. some of the struggles we yes. we talked about in the previous thing of becoming a coming into our own, uh, I worry that there's not enough patience. Pastoring is a patient Okay, profession. this is this is so <laughs> big. So almost every time I feel like um, uh, I made a mistake in my early ministry, it was impatience. Mm -hmm. Almost every time uh, a former resident who's a pastor gets into trouble, we talk about they, they've gone too fast. Yeah. Being patient to sense and know where a congregation is and to, you know, I, I like to say I think pastors should always be one step ahead mm -hmm. of a congregation, mm -hmm. which means that we have to monitor our progress mm -hmm. and our relationship to the congregation. Mm -hmm. We can't be back with them in the sense of, I mean, this is what we were called to do, right? right we're supposed right. to lead, in a sense. But if you get two or three steps out ahead, uh, you've cut yourself off from yeah, the people. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. You know, uh, so so let's make a list. Patience. Patience is one. The, the the other is, I think, timing. Yes. And by this, I don't mean patience meaning time. Right. Timing means uh, like the children of Issachar who right. understand the times and know what to do. Sometimes uh, what is a good idea today could be a terrible idea in the morning. Right. You know? And right. I think as God is always moving, what we have to pray about is timing mm -hmm. so that you know that we can move at the right time. Mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. the, some of some of the ideas, and this might be another side of impatience, right? Okay. But 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 some of the ideas are not quite ready. Yeah. I, I remember Dr. Taylor saying once, and I'm going to quote him in next Sunday sermon, that there is no revolution without evolution. Right. Nice. That there's yeah. a. There, there, there are some things that have to percolate up, yes. some things that have to be set in motion right. before the revolution takes place. Right. Um, right. And I, I'm not, I'm not sure that um, that that appreciation for the evolution, because people think, well, if it's going on in church now, it's tradition, and we have to throw it out. Right. Right. Um, and. But I think this also relates to a shift that's happened. 
I, I think it's more true, maybe, test me on this, mm. tell me if I'm right about this, mm. I don't know. Mm. You come from, uh, in the, the African-American preaching tradition, there is a, a rootedness in the more uh, prophetic tradition of liberation, of calling people to a transformation of society and challenging the powers to be and those sorts of things. In, in our uh, more traditional white church experience, many times what the people in our pews were the people who were actually uh, responsible whether they knew it or not from holding people back and were eager to keep the status quo and not uh, have the preacher meddling in social justice matters <laughs> and these sorts of things. So now what's been happening is we now have a younger generation that in our seminaries and schools and in our more pro progressive tradition, they're ready to take on the world. Yeah. Uh, but everybody in their pews is not, mm. you know. So they've learned that you're supposed to preach prophetically about what's going on with, you know, the, the systems at work down at City Hall or with the, you know, what's going on the school board and what's going on here. In, 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 and everybody in the pews not ready for that in the right way. So th there's a kind of impatience about how to say what when, yeah. right? That it, it, do you see any of that to be true in the black church tradition? Well, I, I'm always hesitant to speak for the whole black church tradition, but... but oh, but, yeah, right, but, <laughs> okay, okay. And, uh, and I'll not speak for the whole white church tradition but, either, okay. But, but, I do, but I do think that... Um, uh, and I, I'm now responding as a teacher in the seminary, I think that, I do think that, um, getting back to what we talked about earlier this morning, this kind of division of the pastor and prophetic identity. Right, right. That you really, you, you, one cannot, I think, address adequately um, those systemic evils without also showing the kind of uh, personal graces for the people who are wounded and afflicted, Good. right? And yeah. so, you, so, right. so you have to do both. And I, I don't, I, sometimes I think that people, uh, when, I, when I assign social justice uh, sermons in class, those are often the, uh, the least <laughs> successful sermons. Partly due to the fact that people come in, they go to the library, they study the subject, and then they spit out everything they learned in the library, um, and they have no, for for lack of a better word, skin in the game. Yeah. You know, so if you're going to preach about homelessness, don't just go read books about homelessness. Spend some time right. with homeless people. Right. If you're going to talk and maybe about go these, into yourself and ask, have I had experiences of? alienation in my life right, or right. abandonment or right. insecurity right. or some right. such thing. And to be honest, it's in seminary it is it is uh, not lost to us that there are people who if they were not in seminary and having mm -hmm. a tuition paid, mm -hmm. they would have both uh, housing and food insecurity. Yes they would. Isn't isn't that true? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's a whole other way of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, so I think that the link between the pastoral and the prophetic that you were talking about this morning mm. 
is 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 where the success comes, right, or the failure comes. Yeah. So we either our people either know that we are with them and for them, and that this gospel has to do with our life together and their daily ex experience, and not just what happens uh, in the quarters of power out there. Right. Uh, but it's when, when, when children don't have anything to eat at school uh, or are, are, are not in a, an air-conditioned classroom, mm. those, those children are our children too, mm -hmm. right? So there's yeah. an extension from right. our own experience that we want to make a link with, with mm. people. Yeah. Uh, David Buttrick uh, said that uh, we all know Jesus saves. But if we, if we only preach about the salvation that Jesus gives and we don't talk about the systems that keep people from experiencing salvation, yes. then we're only preaching um, half of Jesus. Right. You know, half of Jesus preaching. Half of Jesus preaching. Jay-Z says the same thing, by the way, about, uh, about uh, young black children in the, in the inner city, if we only talk about the behaviors that they, that we say we don't like that they right. exhibit and not talk about the systems that have right. those behaviors happening, we're only telling half the story. Well, and it's, it's a little bit different even in more affluent areas. Years ago, we were getting ready to call um, a minister to adults in our church and he was coming from a, a seminary where a professor at his school knew of our church and our neighborhood and community and all of that. And uh, uh, he was counseling this young man before coming and he, he looked at him and he said, does anyone in North Dallas want to be saved? Mm. Now this is a church culture, this is a very, you know, Bible Belt mm. area, mm. but what he was saying is saved from what? Right. The privileges that we enjoy, right. the, you know, the, 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 the part of what Jesus saves us from are all these false gods, right. you know, that that keep us from experiencing the true good news right. of the life that really is life. Right, right, right. and right. that's part of our job too. Right, and of course, we're not all only saved from; we're also saved to. To, right, that's right. And some people are saved to find a way of re-understanding the concept of, of stewardship or uh -huh. or of service in the community That's or right. save to reorient from life is what I get yes. to life is what I give. Right, right. And that is that that goes beyond all socioeconomic barriers and neighborhoods. It really does. Yeah. It really uh, does. Well part of the joy of our friendship is that uh, we have found that uh, talking about our differences in our churches, our neighborhoods, our culture and all of that is, is interesting, but it's not ultimately defining. Right. What is, we have found our, our oneness in the spirit uh, of God and our uh, common call and our, our personal friendship. And Gary, thank you for walking the road with me and being my friend and brother in ministry. I'm so glad to be there, George, and great to spend some time with you. <laughs> Good God. Good Here God. We are. All right. Thank you. Bless you too. Good God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White. Social media coordination by Cameron Vickery. Good God Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. 
All material copyright 2020 by Faith Commons.